What's up, everybody? Welcome to the BT Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. My name is Danny, your host and online pastor of BT Church. Uh, however you're tuning in, whether you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, thanks for listening in. Uh, we pray this conversation is a blessing to you. Uh, if this does bless you, feel free to share it with somebody and let them know uh, that this conversation does exist. You can post it, tweet about it, whatever you want to do. In today's episode, we have a very special guest named Jenny Newcomb, who is the CEO and founder of an organization called Table 235. Uh, this organization uh, does powerful things. You'll hear that story. Uh, and also the month of April is Child Abuse Prevention Month. So we are highlighting her organization and talking about that and ways that you can partner uh, with Table 235. Enjoy this conversation. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest with us today, uh, Miss Jenny Newcomb. Say what's up to our audience, Jenny. Hi, so glad to be with you. Yeah, amen. Uh, so here at BT, we have uh, four main pillars uh, that kind of make up our mission statement. It's biblical teaching, relevant worship, authentic community, and global concern. So like, uh, if you do membership class, if you're a part of BT, you know that like those four things are what our church stands on. Uh, and so what, what we're doing with this episode is we're diving into the global concern pillar, uh, which basically means that our church cares for our neighborhood, cares for our city, uh, and we desire to live out our faith in Jesus both locally and globally, right? Uh, and so practically what that looks like for us as BT is we uh, go on mission trips, we send out mission teams. Sometimes people within our church are called uh, to a different missional lifestyle. So they're sent off to go plant a church, to go start an organization, to go do something uh, in whatever it is that God's calling them. And our church oftentimes partners prayerfully and financially uh, with those people. We love to connect with them. Uh, and so currently as a church, and I don't know if you knew this, Jenny, we support over 30 different organizations as a church, uh, whether they're individuals doing something missional, whether it's a church planter, an organization. Uh, and so uh, I know that Pastor Chris loves celebrating the fact that BT Church is a giving church. Uh, and I know that uh, he's kind of said from the pulpit, like how much money we've given out, like usually in December or something like that, we mm -hmm. kind of give an end of the year statement. Uh, and so, yeah, we've given out so much uh, funds to support the gospel movement, not just in South Texas, but really across the world. Uh, so it's just really cool to be a part of that. And for me, this is something that's kind of close to my heart a little bit, uh, because I believe uh, if it wasn't for BT, we would not have seen Queens Church start, because uh, BT was such a big uh, support for Summer and I in moving to New York City after we got that call uh, to start Queens Church. And so uh, with today's episode, uh, we have an amazing guest. Uh, you already met her. Uh, and so to me, I love talking to Jenny, uh, because, well, Part of it is kind of hard for me to talk to Jenny because, and you're here right now, because I feel like the most convicted person of all time uh, when I talk to you because you're like the most spiritual person I've ever met. Uh, and so it makes me feel like, <laughs> man, my prayer life is so terrible. Uh, but also like your story is just phenomenal. Uh, you know, we've, we've been able to do some ministry things together in the past couple of weeks and months. Uh, and it's just been so cool to hear uh, your story. And so, uh, but also I want to highlight that uh, you have started and founded an organization uh, that we're going to talk about today. Uh, so really cool conversation that's about to happen. Uh, and so Jenny, I would love to just start uh, with you kind of just sharing your story. Uh, like, like where, where did you grow up? How did you come to know Jesus? How did you end up in church? Uh, kind of give us like a quick, uh, brief version of what your story is like. Yeah, sure. First, I just want to say it's been so much fun doing ministry with you these past few weeks. Yeah, it's been great. And and having the opportunity to pray for you in summer as you guys went off to New York, mm -hmm. I felt like I got to be part of it in that way. Very much so, a part of it, yeah. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so I, I grew up in Houston, Houston, Texas, but I moved to the Rio Grande Valley when I was about 23. Nice. So I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else. Mm, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so this is, the valley is my home. 
um, I love, 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 love the people of the Rio Grande Valley. Nice. There is yeah. a, I've mentioned this, there is a grace, there's a humility, there's um, a sense of family mm-hmm. that exists here in this valley. And I really do feel like I'm called to be here and that this is this is the place where I'm meant to serve. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah so Valley is great. Uh, food is great. Culture is great. Yes. You know, it's like a, a party culture where, where anytime there's a reason to celebrate, the whole family is getting together. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I love that. Uh, when did you come to know Jesus? Kind of give us that. Yeah. So um, I was young. I was uh, 13 okay. when I first gave my life to Christ. But in my later teen years, um, lots of things happened. Yeah, of um, course. I, I was a bit of a rebel mm. and that rebellion just kept going. Um, and a little bit of background. So a bit, a little bit about the backstory. I, I was adopted, Mm. um, as a baby and, um, that's the first time I'm hearing that. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard your story a couple of times. I know that part. Yeah. I felt like I needed to share something that was unique to this, to this ministry. Mm -hmm. And, and I struggled all through my young years, um, really up until coming to really know Jesus, Mm. um, with abandonment and rejection issues. I really struggled with that. And my adoptive parents, God chose some amazing adoptive parents for me. Um, they did an incredible job of telling me and reminding me I was special and chosen. Mm, that's good. But still inside of my heart, there was just this, what was wrong with me? Am I sort of like inherently unlovable yeah. that somebody would want to give me away? Mm. Of course, now I'm like so grateful that they chose life. You know, they chose to, yeah. to make the decision that they did. But I struggled. And so for years in my life, I was looking for that validation for that worth in other people. And so that really, I think, was the the reason why my journey went the way it did. Um, mm. When when people didn't love me back the way I needed to be loved, and relationships weren't fulfilling and satisfying, I just kept looking for the next one. And that took me on a crazy journey of alternative choices yeah. um, that I've shared with you before. And then um, what is what is typical with the enemy is as soon as that temptation comes and we fall, like he's just pouring on the shame. And so mm. by the time I was in my um, late 30s, I was um, fully addicted to alcohol. I was I was living very unsatisfied um, through a series of relationships. And and yeah, it was kind of at one of the lowest points where um my niece, who was attending Cornerstone Church at the time, mm-hmm. started inviting me to go. And I just, I noticed a change in her. Wow. And so I went and uh, like for the first three months, I was crying in the front row. <laughs> God was just, you know, like almost like water was kind of washing off wow. the shame. Yeah. And, and it was, image. yeah, he, yeah. It, it, this whole thing really is about his love. Um, and, and I just didn't know that what I was looking for in other people was really meant for mm-hmm. him. And, um, he found me cause he does that. He looks for us and he searches for us and he, and he found me at my late age of 39, 40. Yeah. And, um, I truly met him for the first time there. And all of that just kind of started to wash away. Wow. And, yeah. um, yeah. So I, since then I have just wanted to be part of helping people truly meet Jesus and, and, find what his purpose is for them and find the love he has for them. And so all the serving and everything mm-hmm. kind of just comes from that place yeah. of knowing that he can find you wherever you are. Man, that's so good. Uh, and and so one thing that I took away from just uh, hearing your story again is that an invitation can truly change a life. You know, sometimes uh, I feel like there's like a level of fear of, of people sharing their faith, sharing the gospel with people. Like, you know, it's uh, in our culture, the, the gospel sharing is more relational now, not so much like the door-to-door mindset type of thing. Right. Um, 
And so to me, like, I think one of the biggest ways to overcome fear in sharing the gospel, because there's like the fear of the unknown, fear of rejection, fear of like, I don't know enough about the Bible. They're going to ask me the hard questions, which is like, that's so true. Like if you're listening and you're like, I don't share my faith because I don't know the Bible enough. None of us do. Right. Like <laughs> it's just there's so much content on there. Uh, but what we all can do is just invite somebody to church. That's my story. Somebody invited me to church and I came and I heard about Jesus. Right. There's so much power in the invitation and it changed your life as well, too. Uh, and so love that. So you you know, were uh, adopted, yep. uh, and that kind of leads to uh, your passion. And so uh, you began an organization. Uh, tell us what that organization is. Tell us the name. Tell us what the name yeah. stands for. Uh, and tell us, like, your passion for creating this project. Um, it's just in love with this project, like, second to Jesus. Jesus is one. <laughs> and this this ministry is two. Table 235 mm. uh, started as a ministry in the fall of 2020. Table place that you gather yeah. for various purposes, usually for some of us food. Um, right, yeah. t- 235 came from Psalm 23, 5. Mm. And so 2020 for me was God just kept pouring Psalm 23 wow. into my life. Uh, starting in February, even before the pandemic, yeah. um, he was just pouring this passage into my life. And and it was five, it was verse five, 23, five. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Wow. Yeah. He anoints your head with oil. My cup overflows. That um, it just spoke to me and it carried me through mm-hmm. some really difficult um, months yeah. in, in 2020. Um, I lost my job for the first time, was unemployed in many years um, and just struggled to mm. find a way back into the workforce. Now I know God was carving out that time wow. um, to really birth Table 235 back when when I had given my life to him, um, truly surrendered. He he kind of planted a desire, a dream in my heart to, um, to help reach people and then help those people fulfill his purpose. And, mm-hmm. and it was in this time where I realized that this, this group of individuals who are coming up through the foster care system and, and are dealing with home life situations where they're feeling, um, and in many cases are literally being rejected, neglected, abused, uh, mm-hmm. abandoned, that there was just a love that he was planning in my heart for, for these, for these individuals. Yeah. But specifically knowing I wasn't really called to be a foster parent. So I was like, mm. well, what do I do? Wow. You know, how do I how do I connect with this? There's a passion because of my history. Um, and so he he do, doing what he does, he helped me reflect on my life and and what he had called me to do and to learn through the years. And so he helped kind of bring about a ministry that was about reaching young women. Mm-hmm that are aging out of the foster care system, that are seeking and are needing a community of support to have a full life. And to um, to be uh, at the center of that table, so to speak, when we gather mm-hmm. is Jesus, right? Yeah. So he's he is the centerpiece of the ministry. That's good. Um, and so in, fast forward to the beginning of this year, 2021, we registered Table 235 as a nonprofit in nice. the state. We're working on um, applying for the 501c3 and doing all the building up of yeah. nonprofit. I'm grateful for having that type of experience. That's like all the adulting work. Yes. Right? It's like, okay, We're doing like, great on the yeah. adulting work. <laughs> um, yeah. But the I tell you what, it is a learning experience on the serving side of it, um, the amount of trust uh, that has to be earned in these connections with these young ladies that I'm reaching out to, Mm -hmm. um, it is going to be a lifelong journey. Yeah. Uh, And that's okay. You know, I'm going to be in it for the long haul. This isn't just a a stop, you know, give a little and then walk away. Yeah. This wasn't like a random, like I'm bored during COVID, during (laughs) pandemic. So I'm just going to start something like, no, this is a, a call that got us specifically from your birth <laughs> placed on your life, even <laughs> yes. before that, right? That God knew what you were going to do. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I love um, 
just the entire focus of this organization. Uh, this might be an obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway, just to kind of like get some more information. Sure. Uh, you said that this is specifically for, for girls who age out. At what age is that? 18 to 24 is the primary range where we're recruiting. But if they're older than Mm -hmm. 24, that's okay. I mean, I have one young lady that I'm connected with that's older. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but definitely an adult at the age of 18. They can still be in the foster care system up to 24, but many will choose to to age out early. Mm. um, Or they'll run away before Mm. they turn 18. And if they're 18 and that was the case, you know, we're we're happy to serve them. I'm just looking to serve young women who are already adults um, who are needing that type of community and support. And so kind of the vision for it is that what if every table, like every table in every home had Jesus in the center and it was a table in a place where love could be exchanged. Yes. And, and that's not the case in so many homes. And, but I think, I feel like, you know, there's this cycle that happens Mm -hmm. with um, those that have dealt with um, trauma and abuse. Um, And so if, if we can, if we could be part of it, of, of, bringing Jesus into that cycle and seeing what he can do, I know that he can make that a reality. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's all we're trying to do is just meet these young women. You know, we did our first outreach last December Mm. and, um, I had the opportunity to meet four of these young women and just in delivering some, some beautiful gifts. Um, so many people that didn't even know about what was going on. I put a fundraiser up and all of this money, we passed our goal like oh, in two wow. days. Um, and so we, we pulled together some gifts for them and I was expecting to have a touching exchange. Mm-hmm. What I wasn't expecting and driving home from the last one was being overwhelmed with their strength. Mm. Um, they, they truly are overcomers. They're, there they were standing, talking to me, receiving from a stranger, a gift and smiling in the midst of having overcome what they've overcome. Yeah. And, and I was just like, oh my goodness, Lord, I, these 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 young women are going to be my heroes. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, just so grateful that I can get to be part of serving them in some way. That's good. What often happens when somebody ages out? Like, yeah. what's like maybe like the normal next step for that person? Yeah, I mean, there's actually some statistics on this, which is is dismal and really sad. Yeah. Um, so. When folks age out of foster care, they say that one in five will be homeless within a year. Wow. One in five. That's ridiculous. One in four will be incarcerated in two years. Wow. Um, 71% of women will be pregnant by age of 21 mm-hmm. and often single mm-hmm. you know, in that. Um, 50% will be unemployed by 24 and only 3% or under will get some sort of a higher education degree. Mm-hmm. So um, without intervention... The future is going to be really difficult. Yeah, doesn't mean they can't overcome it. For sure, of course. But and they can be one of the, the you know the yeah. the few that don't fall into these statistics. And I believe that that Jesus can make that possible. Yeah, they amen. can be amazing stories. Yeah. Um, but and, and I don't know reality, if you know this answer, but is it? Do you see that? Uh, like, do you ever compare like th- those statistics from like South Texas to like other areas of the state or of the country? Like, is South Texas? Uh, not that it's it's good either way, but any better, any worse? Is it like basically are those stats like yeah. statewide, countrywide, valleywide? Yeah, these these are national stats. Okay. Um, yeah. I will say that what I've learned that's unique about the valley, and and for years, for about thirteen years, I worked in workforce development, mm-hmm. so I learned a lot about the um, demographics of our community, mm-hmm. and and we are we are a very young community. We're a growing community. We we like to have families, and we like to grow them, yeah. and so. Um, 
the homeless numbers here won't look the same as mm. they would look in another community because homelessness in the Valley often looks like staying with extended family and yes. friends. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the issues of incarceration are pretty close. The mm. issues of education might even be worse. Mm. Um, when you look at our statistics, um, in, in terms of um, those that have attained a high school diploma or GED, a lot of times you have you have folks that we're going to see it's not going to be the post secondary education that they don't earn. They may not even get the high school diploma or GED. Yeah. And so you know, I think partnering with others to help minimize that. I'm grateful for that background to help with that. Yeah. So I, I know like a little bit about maybe what you experienced. You know, you said uh, you started in the fall of 2020, which that kind of sounds like a long time ago, but that was like, you know, like <laughs> last night, months. basically. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, in January, you started up as a you know nonprofit and you started getting all those, you know, details laid out. And so going after a project of this magnitude, it can be extremely intimidating. <laughs> you don't have all the details. You don't have all the answers. You don't have all the funds. You're literally walking into the unknown. Uh, so what were you feeling as you were beginning this organization? And when did you know, like, all right, it's time to start? Because, because you know, God probably planted this idea in your mind a while back, you know, not in the fall of 2020. So when did you know, like, all right, it's time to go? Yeah, it was terrifying and exciting. Yeah. <laughs> what it was I feeling? I was terrified and excited. Yeah. Um, yes, God planted this idea in my mind about 10 years ago. And I'm the type of person that when I'm doing work, I dive in 100%, right? I give mm -hmm. it all my heart. And so... It really wasn't until I had this real chunk of time to reflect and pray that I knew it was time um, to really revive those dreams and bring them out. And I also knew back then that when I started whatever that ministry was going to be called, or, and I didn't know what it would look like, but whatever it looked like, I wouldn't be doing it alone. Hmm. And God began surrounding me with people that um, I was talking to, and this this vision was just gelling. So I knew, okay, I hear you. Right. It's time. Yeah. We got to do this. So... That's how I knew. Yeah, that's what's crazy. It's like when, when you're called to something, like the way that that call can be affirmed is by other believers of Jesus saying, yes. yeah, I see that in you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like they're just all affirming it alongside with you. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we felt when we were called to New York is like, one, we're fully anticipating, you know, both of our parents to say like, what are you all doing? Don't do that. And both of them were like, yeah, like, why aren't you there already type of thing? <laughs> uh, and then we just, you know, felt, you know, God's presence through God's people affirming that call for us. That's right. uh, and so I love that. And so I know that, um, you know, part of starting up an organization like this, doing a startup where you have, you start with zero dollars basically. <laughs> yes. uh, and so you don't really have that backing. Uh, you're, you're trying to share this passion with people to get them to buy into what uh, you're doing. Uh, did you have any previous experience or history in attempting a startup like this? Uh, I, I know we, in our in our kind of uh, previous uh, or in our pregame like talking, you said there's a story that um, that happened to you when you were younger uh, that you wanted to share. Yeah, I think so. There's a couple of couple of things I think in, in terms of um, previous experience. Yeah, I've started some some for profit. Uh, ventures. I, I've done consulting for about seven years. I have a, a, a consulting company. Um, when I was really young, I started a daycare center um, and, and ran that for a while. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes we have to just put ourselves in circumstances where we've never been and try them and look for mentors in those places. Um, I think I shared with you some of the first opportunities I had in speaking and, and sharing with um, with the board. I was terrified. And and I think this is related to this story is just that you should never approach doing anything alone. Mm. And so I was presenting to this board of directors and I was so nervous and I, I forgot to breathe. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking <laughs> and my voice is getting higher and higher and higher oh, and yeah. I'm not breathing. And about that time, my boss, who's in front of me, she kind of looks back like, what is happening to Jenny? 
And she looks at me and she realizes she something's going on. Let me interject. And so she interjected. Mm. She took the spotlight off of me for a second. And and then I just take this big <gasps> deep breath <laughs> and I was able to kind of regain composure and keep going. And so I think just mostly, yeah, it's scary to start anything new, um, but not starting alone and really yes. making sure you've got a good yeah. group of people around you who know you, who you trust um, and who can step in when you're struggling a bit, because mm-hmm. in every startup, um, in every venture, you're going to have seasons where you um, feel renewed and focused and you see effectiveness pouring forward. And then you're going to have seasons where you're stumbling and you're struggling and mm-hmm. and you need that community around you um, and those other leaders around you that you trust to wow. speak into your life at that yeah. time. And anytime you're starting up anything, don't forget to breathe. Right? Yeah. So it's just like... <laughs> Just you must breathe. Keep breathing. Okay. <laughs> you must breathe. Uh, so, uh, and so, uh, the timing of this podcast is also important too, because uh, you know, as I heard about your story, I heard about your organization with Table Two Three Five, which is doing phenomenal things already, and uh, I believe God has big plans for Table Two Three Five. Um, but also, uh, with this month specifically of April, uh, it is Child Abuse Prevention Month, uh, and so oftentimes, uh, just from my experience of like uh, knowing about things happening in the culture in our world. Uh, often, if people aren't closely connected to something, uh, they're not aware that that something exists, right? And so, uh, for so many people, if something is not an issue to them personally, then they're not they're not being affected by it, then they don't even know that it exists around them. Um, and so that's why we have these months, we have these uh, you know awareness uh, moments and situations uh, to let people know that there actually is a problem, and you may not even be aware to it. Your, your eyes may not see it, your ears may not hear it, um, and so. What is something that you would like our audience to know uh, specifically like about this month? Yeah, I think, you know, it's all about child abuse prevention awareness. And mm-hmm. so it's it's really just being aware um, that it exists um, and often it's hidden. And many times it can exist right in our own families, right in our own backyard mm-hmm. um, and just looking out for those signs, um, some places where folks can go um the Children Ad- Children's Advocacy Center of Hidalgo and Star County has great statistics on this region. Um, there's also a Cameron and Willisie County um, location. And then the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services as well has great information on what to do if you suspect there might be abuse, neglect going on um, and how you can intervene um, in those cases. Many times we think well, it's none of my business, right? right? I shouldn't even, but legally as adults, if we see something um, and we believe it could be abuse, we are required to act Mm. in the protection of those children. And so I think when we realize that it's okay, you know, I could call, I can, I can inquire and see if what I think this might be is what it is. And you can make those complaints anonymous too. So it's, it doesn't have to be named um, as well. So that's, yeah, that's good. I remember in a, in New York, riding the subway, uh, every time there's always like announcements and it was like, if you see something, say something. Right. Um, and sometimes, like you said, we may not feel like we have the power to do anything. Um, but there, we can at least do something, right. There's, there's something we can do. There's someone we can call. There's, um, because this is a reality, unfortunately, uh, because we do live in a broken world, these type of broken situations take place. Uh, but that's what we want to make this awareness. We want people to know, but we also want people to know that, uh, that there are people like you that are actively doing something, you know, essentially every day for this, that you're fighting for the people that are, um, you know, getting out of foster care and those sort of things and helping them, uh, not be a part of those statistics, um, where they're, you know, showing right now. And so I love that. Um, and so what are some ways, uh, that 
you kind of stay up to date with what's happening in that world in the child abuse prevention time uh you know you threw out some uh some locations are there like websites that you look up are they books that you read like what are some ways that you try to stay up to date with this information yeah um both the children advocacy center website and the texas department of protective and family service website have great information um there's childhelp.org um there are other locations too one of the ways that i stay connected to what's happening here there's a group out of Harlingen called Blue Sunday. And if you go to bluesunday.org, um, they convene faith-based organizations all throughout the region who are aimed at this same cause, right? Mm-hmm. Who are, are getting at, in some way, um, child abuse prevention. And mm-hmm. um, so I was able to get connected with them last fall. Nice. And I have met so many amazing organizational leaders and individuals mm-hmm. who are giving of their time, who gather together to pray for these for these children, for, for those that are rescuing them. Um, and I think, you know, you can look there. There is also um, later this month, the last Sunday of the month of April mm. is considered Blue Sunday. That's nice. the name yeah. of the group. And so um, that is the day in in um, our nation where individuals can pray for children that are that are surviving and or have survived abuse nice. and can pray for those who are um, helping them mm. overcome and come out of those circumstances. So the 25th is the day to pray. All right, so let's do this. Yeah. Uh, everybody tuning in, our audience, everybody listening, um, we're all going to set an alarm. <laughs> Let's do 7 a.m. Some of y'all won't be awake yet, but wake up early for this. 7 a.m., Blue Sunday, April 25th. Let's pause and pray. Yes. Right? So let's, uh, if you're listening, do that. Uh, if you're not listening, tell a friend about that. Uh, 7 a.m. on Blue Sunday, we're going to do that. Um, and so, man, thank you for sharing all that information. It is so good, so powerful to see. Uh, motivates me uh, to not be lazy. Uh, and I love what you're doing. Uh, because uh, what, what I just heard from your story is that you know everybody in the world was affected by the pandemic in one way or another you, either you stayed home you know for some unfortunately you lost your job um and what what people did with that time is so important moving forward uh and some people uh you know maybe their experience of that was um just caving up and not surrounding themselves with people uh because of the loss that they experienced um and what i love is that you understood that god was maybe calling you to something different and and for a, a, a really sucky situation that happened to everybody, but happened to us personally, is that you saw that and you took it, you ran with it, and you said, maybe God, you're showing me something different. Uh, because whenever we change our perspective on something mm-hmm. and we view things through the lens of God, man, it just changes our direction completely. Uh, and I love that you did that, that you took time to pause, pray, God, what do you want me to do? This is my life right now, but I'm ready to do something else. Yeah, made no mistake. Yeah. I caved up for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we all did, right? <laughs> and then God got Literally, my physically, spiritually, everything, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I love that uh, that you allowed God to grab your yeah. attention and hold there. Uh, so back in the older days of church, um, there was a group of people known as prayer warriors, right? You know that phrase. Uh, maybe if you're listening and you're like, you didn't grow up in church or, you know, you weren't a part of church 23 years ago, uh, you don't know what that phrase means. Basically, what that means is that prayer warriors are like these group of people who just love praying and they love praying for people specifically. They love uh, prayer requests and all that stuff. Uh, Jenny, to me, you're not a prayer warrior. You're like a prayer titan. Like that's the, the <laughs> phrase I can think of like what's above a warrior, maybe like a titan or something. I don't know. Um, because 
as my as I interact with you, um, your your first response is always, "Man, let's pray." Uh, and I love that about you. Summer, my wife, is the exact same way. Uh, to where a situation comes up, and she's like, "Hey, let's just like stop and pray." And I'm like, "I don't want to stop and pray. I want to figure out how to overcome the situation." <laughs> right? Um, and so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we got to go to Corpus Christi for a Corpus uh, Easter watch party, and we met a guy there named Stephen. Uh, and Stephen was kind of sharing with us like what he does and ministry and those sort of things uh, with college students. And my mind was like, bro, like, let me help you do this and this and start this and like, kind of like all like, let's go, let's go get these tasks done. And I remember you said, Hey, can I just like pray for you really quick? And I was just like, why is that like, like, why don't I think that way? It's so good. Um, and so like, uh, you know, I'm willing to bet that that wasn't always your initial response, right? Is, is let's go to God in prayer for this moment. Uh, even before this podcast, you were like, let's just pray really quick. Um, I have a confession to make. That's the first time we've ever prayed for a podcast. <laughs> so, hey, but I've been yeah. praying for your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I, I feel it. Okay. Uh, and so uh, what gave you that passion for prayer? Oh, man. Um, so in 2011, uh, at, at my church, we started uh, a fast. Mm. I had never even heard. I didn't even know what a fast was other than like the diet ones that you can do. And so we started a season of fasting and prayer at Cornerstones, 21 days. And at the time... Um, I honestly, I didn't, I could not hear God's voice. I didn't know where he was or I just felt so lost. Mm -hmm. And I was drinking a ton back then. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to fast. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this with some people asked me to join them. So I'm going to do this 21 day thing. We did the Daniel fast for 21 days and I made it 21 days without alcohol. That wow. was like yeah. unheard of. Of course I had many breakdowns during, during, that, <laughs> yeah. during that period. It wasn't easy 21 days. Yeah, but <laughs> but I had um, an incredible support system of other individuals that were with me and praying and there when I called panicked and not knowing what to do. And um, later that year, just a few weeks later, God called me into my own individual fast. And so I fast, I did a Daniel fast for 40 days. It was modified. Um, we did a simple devotional, um, called 40 days with Jesus, mm. just a simple little thing. And God used that time to truly help me know who he is and, wow. and really, um, understand who I was in him. And so ever since then, and I credit, I credit my church. We had started a Monday night prayer. Our pastor was teaching about prayer. I didn't really understand what it was. And so these things coming together at the same time, it gave me an understanding of what it was like to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And, so now that, that I have that, that's, that's got to be the, I mean, what else do you need, right? right. <laughs> like, yeah, amen. Intimate yeah. relationship with the God of the universe <laughs> who created all yeah. things. Yeah. Um, so so clearly, you know, that has to be the, the first and foremost thing. And that is what, it, honestly, that's what sustains me. Mm. I, I, I wow. would be um, nothing. You know, I would be lost, um, spinning my own wills, not doing anything that has lasting value without his intervention. Um and without knowing him. So I desperately need him on the daily. Yeah, amen. So that's why I go there first. That's so good. Oh, I love that. Um, man, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, kind of last thing, um, give us some ways that uh, anybody tuning in, anybody watching, um, can partner with what you're doing with Table 235, obviously with prayer. Uh, is there any ways that we can financially support? Like what, what are some practical ways that we can partner with you guys? Yeah, yeah. So we've done a few fundraisers through Facebook. Okay. Um, we're preparing to do another. By the by the time I think this airs, we'll have a Facebook page up. Awesome, yeah. Um, and so there'll be a way to connect there and give financially um, in any amount. I mean, we yeah. had donations last time from 5 to $500. Yeah. 
every little bit helps in some way. Yeah. Um, we also have folks that are donating their time and mm. their talent. Mm -hmm. We have a, a, a friend of mine, a, a, well, my family member almost, who is creating some um, products. Um, she's actually designing them and creating them. I've had people, we have an attorney who donated her services her, wow. her to help us become a nonprofit. So, you know, if you have something unique that you want to give towards this, then just reaching me. Yeah. Um, they Folks can find me at um, jenny.newcomb at bt.church. I have a, a, an email yeah. through here. Or they can look me up on Facebook or Instagram um, and find me there, either Jenny Newcomb or Table 235. Perfect. And they can connect in that way. There's also, and to share a little bit of the spotlight, so mm -hmm. there's so many people involved in this. Um, one of the young ladies that I connected with here at BT early on is Ashley Wyckhofen. I don't know if you know Ashley, yeah, um, but she launched yeah. Project Levi, which is an organization that is about building up more foster families. And so I chatted with her last night and told nice. her I was coming on and told her I'd give her a little shout out. So yeah. if people want to know more about fostering and intervening with children in um, foster care, she'd be a great contact. And she's my Project partner. Project Levi. Project awesome. Levi. Awesome. Perfect. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your passion, sharing your story. Um, I know I was motivated. Uh, my prayer is that anybody that tunes in is motivated as well and to uh, really pursue the things that God's calling for the life. And if anybody is motivated and uh, you really feel God calling you to to help partner with Table 235, um, let us know. We'll make it happen. Uh, so thank you guys uh, for tuning one in. More, uh, one yeah, more go thing, Danny, just, sure. just to say, and I, I talked about who could give, who could donate. If, if a listener is an overcomer of abuse or an mm -hmm. overcomer of trauma, um, I really want them to know that they can contact me and don't worry so much about the age yeah. situation. If, if you're younger than 18, I'll help connect you to another organization. Mm -hmm. If you're over 18 and way over 18, that's all right. Reach yeah. out through those same means. Um, you know, just as much opportunity as we can have to interact and to come alongside each other to bring them to the table. So that's good. all we want to do. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for adding that because yeah. it's so important. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, appreciate you. God has big plans for Table 235 and we are believing that. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for joining our podcast. So grateful. Thank you.